what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Souls Separately. We are our weekly podcast dedicated to all of you amazing human beings who have been following me since the very, very, very beginning. All of you new amazing human beings that just started following me. Innovators, creators, entrepreneurs, hustlers, CEOs, disruptors, doers. Um, I hope each and every one of you are the type of people that are constantly misunderstood because you're probably doing it right is my general thesis. Um, and I know that often at times that's not an easy thing. I literally have conversations about this all the time and uh, you're understood here. I understand you. My guests get you. Um, you know, choosing your own path is not an easy thing at times. And I think it's often just very, very much misunderstood. However, and we're going to be talking about this in today's episode. Now is the time that belongs to the creative class, the entrepreneurial class and the, the innovator, if you will. And we'll get into that here momentarily. For any of my, uh, you know, day one listeners, I truly, truly appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for all of the feedback and the comments and the ratings and the reviews. You helped us get to 6 million plus downloads for all of my new listeners. You guys are awesome. Welcome to the family. Appreciate you. If you, uh, any of you, if you want to reach out at Matt Gottesman on Instagram, M-A-T-T-G-O-T-T-E-S-M-A-N. You guys know I answer each and every single text, DM, reply, response, um, all that, because that's, that's community. And I've been doing it for eight years and I truly appreciate learning from you guys as much as you know, you're tuning into all that I'm doing and with everybody that comes on the show. You can also uh, get in at the intersection of culture and creativity and entrepreneurship at HDF Magazine. That's where it all started. And then at Hustle Sold Separately. Of course, I would love your guys' ratings and reviews, continued ratings and reviews. Apple waits that in the discovery engine. That's how beautiful algorithms work. But, um, you know, I'm so grateful for you guys for constantly leaving the rating reviews. And... Today is going to be a solo episode, and I want to discuss the this creative class, if you will. You're seeing some of it in my posts online, and you guys know on HDF, I've been preaching this for like eight years, but I finally feel like we're in a um, point in time where not only is it the most relevant, but you're also seeing the outcomes of that relevancy in culture and society worldwide in fractions of a second. Whereas beforehand, you know, we had an idea, we wanted to try to do something. Oh, you know, the, the old paradigm kind of just like, you know, smiles at it and know oh, it's a fad and it'll go away and whatever. It ain't happening like that anymore, <laughs> in my opinion. So, you know, I want to discuss how the future belongs to the creative class. That's basically what I'm I'm calling this episode. Um, and uh, I was thinking about this earlier this morning before deciding to do this episode. And since people have been asking me a lot about these different things that I've been talking about, I thought now would be a good time. So when I define creative class, and this is what we're going to do, I'm going to define it. I'm going to talk about some of the trends that we can expect to see. And then also 
depending on where you're at in your journey, let's talk about some things that you could be doing right now that I'm doing right now as well, too. The same token. You know, I know we're all on this on a journey. We're all in different um, parts of the journey, but I can share both what I have done and what I am continuing to do because that's <laughs> you can't you can't escape the work. Um, so when I define creative class, I define it as a, a subset of words, if you will, collaborative, it's connected, it's technologically savvy, it's community driven, it's multi hyphenated, which, uh, you know, is kind of more of a, um, a newer word in the last few years, meaning that you can have multiple roles and talents and skill sets and multiple titles. You guys know how I feel about titles, but truly like you can be on one hand, um, a music director. On the other hand, you could be a graphic designer. On the other hand, you can be, you know, a publicist. And on the other hand, you could be a media owner. Like we're, we're living in a time where, um, because we have access to so much information and, um, we have so many outlets for creatively expressing ourselves. And when you bring in the entrepreneurial component, while you're trying to build on your craft, you're probably operating very lean. And in operating lean means that you're not necessarily shelling out a, a shit ton of cash everywhere. You're having to kind of learn it. Um, and since we've never had an abundance of tools the way we have had throughout history, like the way we do now, you can learn how to do it uh, and optimize it. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, so we're definitely seeing this rise of multi-talented, multi-titled uh, people, if you will. Um, it's also the creative class, in my opinion, is also marked by very lean approaches um because we want to create something because it's maybe not understood by the old paradigm we have to kind of prove it not kind of we have to prove it in the marketplace and in proving it um i don't mean prove your worth i mean you have to kind of just go build it because it may not be fully understood and when you're building it on your own you have to be very resourceful which is another thing i put in the creative class <laughs> very very resourceful and since we're all highly connected and collaborating it's a lot easier to help each other out. It's just a new way. It, it's a, a new way of thinking. We, we, we still deal with egos. Absolutely. But we also don't have as much time for it as we used to, you know, periods before in, in other decades. Now you're like, Hey, I need help. Who, who knows how to do this? Who's a videographer? Who's this? Who's that? I need this. Let's connect. It's movement, constant movement, which is another sub, uh, another category I put in the creative class, unattached and discerning. Those are some of the two final words I put in there, unattached and discerning. What do I mean by that? I'll give you a perfect example because it was somebody I even reached out to recently just in congratulating uh, an 18 year old who is a sneaker designer um, and a graphic designer. And he launched, um, which some of you may be seeing in the news, a lot about NFTs, non-fungible tokens. And um, he launched an NFT for his shoes. I mean, I think like 3.1 million in seven minutes. What has changed the following day? Nothing. If you look at his uh, stories, even today, you see a kid in uh, an office room, stuff all over the place, like, you know, just doing his thing, dancing, doing music. Nothing's changed. <laughs> you know, there's, it's, uh, you know, the old paradigm was like, Oh my God, I can retire. Like, let me go like live fat. Let me show all this stuff. And he's already onto his next NFTs. He's having fun. He's creating. And I say unattached because, uh, 
you know, and believe me, it's also that's also a process because I think in part of the transition we have one generation, the the youngest of the generations, completely unattached, um, and then we have you know my generation where we were a big part of the transition into this like kind of new era where we're shaking off the old paradigm a little bit that you know we were birthed into. Mm-hmm. Um, and we already knew something was off and we already knew we were going to rebel against it. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, we had to still go within in a different, in a different manner. Um, and so I say unattached because we're not as I think in, you know, somebody can debate this, but I think we're not as ego driven for how something should look because we know that we just want to move and make things happen faster. And you don't really have as much time for ego um, in that aspect. And, and because it's so collaborative, you, you know, it's not a one man show. So, and I say discerning because um, the creative class is learning a lot about ownership for themselves, right? We're all learning about, well, I did this work and I put these things together and this is how I envision it. And when you have that level of respect for yourself, Truly, when other people either try to collaborate or like what we saw in the music industry where they try to, you know, now now you've proven yourself and we'd like to, you know, take you on as a as a client on our roster. Really? I own the, my distribution. I own my publishing. I own my rights and I own my copyrights. I own, you know, the 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 fan base and I have my merchandise and I have like, what do you do for me? <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's different. We're making more discerning decisions about how who we allow um, to work with us or how we allow ourselves to do things because, uh, the creative class is truly working for it. You know, whether you're a content creator, a gamer, a musician, an artist, an entrepreneur, like you're working for it. So again, that rundown of when I think about the words of the creative class, I basically feel like it's collaborative, connected, technologically savvy, community driven, multi-hyphenated, multiple roles and talents and skill sets, lean, resourceful, unattached, and discerning. Um, if you guys want to add any of that, you can easily hit me up and I would love to hear what you would add to that. But uh, I want to move into what kinds of trends that I, I believe we can expect to see as we move forward in this newer paradigm. And also I'm piggybacking off of a post that I did several weeks back called Old Paradigm, New Paradigm. And it was just this concept of the old paradigm saying that it would basically pretty much be decimated by 2025 and the new one will be in full mode by 2025. And what I mean by that is what used to work for a few will no longer work for where we're heading. And um, we're moving into a, just a new age of um, how we thrive, not at the loss of some and the gain of others. Um, based on all of the things I just mentioned, right? And so um, the old paradigm really had a lot of, you know, well, there are some winners and there's some losers. And I'm not talking about the second place trophy winner, like, you know, because like that actually came out on a clubhouse conversation and entitlement and like, you know, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about that. Like, it's just, um, I don't, I can do something and it doesn't cost somebody else to lose in, and I'm not talking about sports. I'm just saying like, for thriving in society at large, okay? Like that's kind of more of what I'm talking about. So a new paradigm is a, a truer um, respect for uh, fellow man or woman in the process of uh, an outcome, right? Uh, in all outcomes. We can all win in some capacity 
um, or get something positive out of what we're all doing. So I just I think it's just a whole other different ball game. But I'm mostly referring to business. I'm not necessarily referring to sports. I, and I think that that's healthy when you have a, a winner and a loser because how else do you get better in your mastery? So um, so there are some trends that I think that we can expect to see. Uh, the one of the things, the first top thing I put on there is automation for efficiency. Um, this is something very near and dear to my heart. I consistently talk about this. I myself am in a, um, next level of the game of understanding how far to push automation to create more efficiency. Um, why is this an, uh, something I, we can expect to see? Because as beautiful as it is, is that we're all doing a multitude of things, you will burn out if you're not thinking about the processes and the systems, which I'll get to here in a moment. And automation does not mean we are going to lose personalization. It just means we're going to start leveraging the technology more to allow ourselves to achieve our dreams or our, our visions and, and, you know, and, and perform better at our work for the people that are relying on our work. I also expect to see a lot more in blockchain technology. Obviously, that's a given. And obviously, that's not just me throwing out a trendy word because I've actually loved it since the beginning. Uh, and I've been invested in it in the crypto side for about five years. But what blockchain technology is going to show you is a different way of thinking in Web 3.0 than what you've been used to in hackable Web 2.0. Everything you've been operating under right now in Web 2.0 has either been able to be hacked, manipulated, um, you know, that people can get away with whatever they want. Sometimes there's a level of in inauthenticity. Well, when you think about blockchain technology, it doesn't allow you to do that. <laughs> it's a different, it's a different um, approach to technology where it's constantly changing in nanoseconds and no two seconds are ever the same. Um, and it relies heavily on all of us real people users um, to actually uh, calculate um, real behaviors, not made up ones. And you can't, and it's, and it relies, it, 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 it changes fraud it gets rid of it helps get rid of fraud it helps get rid of um people taking advantage of the system of you <laughs> it helps uh you know security infrastructure development all of these things that we need think about this isn't that interesting that we're now using blockchain technology we're starting to see use cases for it more than ever uh, and it's only the beginning but what i just say about the creative class connected collaborating technologically savvy community driven resourceful discerning like it's not a it's not a coincidence that you know and it's secure it's highly secure and everybody wins it's a different mode of uh of operating i also believe we're going to see a huge uh, uptick in nfts you guys have started to hear me preach this online i'm saying it here now because it's um, a word you better start getting uh, or an acronym you should start getting used to non-fungible tokens okay what is it why does it matter put it this way let's say you guys put up an awesome piece of content online and it's been ripped off have any of you ever experienced that you probably all are somehow in some way either nodding your head or worried about that happening at some point oh i have a design i want to put up but somebody will steal it oh i did put up a post but it's been rebranded into somebody else's name well NFTs, which are part of uh, the blockchain technology, allow you to actually mint your work as the original creator. On top of that, oh, before I say anything else on that, 
That means that no matter how many times somebody shares anything of yours, tries to put it out as their name or anything else, or just pass off their work as yours, or I mean, pass off your work as theirs, uh, they can't. They actually can't. It's all highly trackable. So you can imagine when you mint something online, the ability to uh, um, document its authenticity. Yeah, that's going to really ruin it for a lot of people who are fairly inauthentic and, you know, steal work and just are out for a quick buck, etc. What else can you do with it? Well, now people can support your work, um, your art, your music, your MP3s, your videos, your commerce, anything that you can imagine. And um, they can actually donate. They can receive a token of authenticity for that piece that you created. They can donate money to you through cryptocurrency like Ethereum. And, uh, you know, they're able to have a piece of certification for that, right? And now you're able to collect money in a new manner for your work and even attach royalties to it as it continues to expand. Um, there's all kinds of different th um, characteristics you can place on your token that you create. And a token is just its authenticity authentication for your your work and people can share it they can own parts of it they can donate to it they can do a number of different things but you don't lose your ownership over it so it's still early on i'll probably do an episode or two on this with experts in the field i'm looking to, to create one as well so stay tuned for that and i'll let you guys know more about that but again why is that something a trend we could see ownership creativity, art, commerce, technology. Again, like it's, it's taking out the old paradigm of manipulating the system. Um, and then I also believe that we're going to continue to see a rise in communities for every type of business and complementary communities. What do I mean by that? You'll see NFT communities. You'll see, uh, you know, systems communities, social media communities, like any, anything that you want to learn, you're going to see a community for clubhouse is showing how far that can really go when you end up in rooms and on panels with people you wouldn't have previously been able to end up in rooms and panels with now you're doing it in a fraction of a second and you're having conversations and connecting on things that you never would have thought before watching one individual connect with virgil abloh you know the designer who does, works in connection with uh louis vuitton and you've seen these two will have this conversation on a panel that would have never have otherwise met up and then you have these complementary communities where you bring in people from other, you know, like uh, categories, if you will. So you're going to have one community about fashion and then you bring in a, the tech community from another one that are creating NFTs for fashion. <laughs> and then they all end up in the room together talking about things and helping each other out. It's very collaborative. So it goes right back to the creative class. And these, by the way, these are people doing things. These are, you know, people heads of, of big startups or heads of brands that are doing really well. So um, this open connectivity is huge and we're going to see even more of it with these communities. I also believe we can expect to see less employees and more leaned out, highly efficient brands. Um, I'm not the first to say it. I just want to preach it. Um, I heard Naval Ravikant talk about this pretty heavily and um, we now have access to resources in pretty much every single category we could possibly have. And um, let's say you need design work. You can use upwork.com. You can go to fiverr.com. You can go to a multitude of different places, find different resources. If somebody you don't like, 
you don't like after their work, you move on to the next. If you like the way they work, you keep them. You can actually move very fluidly and without all the bureaucracies that big brands have kind of encountered, right? And all the, the problems in keeping people for so long when they really don't even need to. Um, and so you're able to accomplish more with less people, um, basically handling, you know, a certain set of tasks in each category, three to five people can pretty much run a business, you know, a seven figure, eight figure business, um, when you have the right systems and processes in place and the right people just operating those systems and processes. So, um, why I also believe that and something that Naval brought up is because, well, 2020 proved uh, to, for people to be working even more remotely. I've been doing it for about 10 years, but or even more. Um, so remote work uh, is a newer norm and more people are going digital. That's how remote work works. Well, more people go digital. The first question they usually ask themselves is, why am I doing this for somebody else? Because, uh, and now it's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. I, I do believe you can do it for other people for quite a while because it also gives you your training and then your financier. But ultimately you start to see how things can be done better digitally. And so more and more people are moving online and saying, well, I can easily do this as a subtask or I can outsource this to somebody over here. You, you can even have like outsource your own job to somebody else who does it really well, pay them part of your salary and keep the rest. I actually, true story, heard that in an MBA school that there was actually a kid who uh, was hired, not a kid, but like, you know, somebody who was hired for a job um, that he outsourced around the world. And uh, the the people who worked on his work did it at night. He was paid $120,000 and he paid these people $40,000 and kept $80,000 to himself. And uh, they, the people he hired outsourced to did such an amazing job um, that the work was like always delivered every morning <laughs> to, to his, uh, his company. And eventually they found out and the question came up, what do you do? Because technically they hired somebody, they, they, they didn't cost them any more money and they got the exact output that they wanted. And you kind of have to praise the guy for being so efficient that he found somebody else that could do the work just as, you know, even better than he could. And he managed them and he paid him out of his own money. <laughs> you know, so like, and this is, this is going back like I think 10 or 12 years ago. It just kind of goes to show you like, you just have to be more efficient um, with, you know, and delegating. And believe me, uh, as uh, my loved ones would tell <laughs> tell you, I constantly am working on that myself is the constant efficiency, which brings me to another trend. Systems and processes will become sexier. Um, and I say that because it's a very unsexy thing because we all want to create. But if you look at all of the brands that you idolize the most, they're highly efficient beasts that have technology running them and they're dialed in on what they do, when they do it, why they do it and how they do it. And it's not fun sometimes in the beginning, but if you can take your creative mind and realize that you're trying to find a better way to deliver value to the very people you serve while also allowing you to have a life then it becomes very sexy, I think. And so that's why I put that on the list. And then I also see multiple strategic partners that complement your business and creative growth. You don't have to do everything, but if we go back up my list where I said that because we can actually um, outsource and resource from anywhere in the world, you can set up um, very strategic partners that complement your business because maybe you don't wanna get into those things, but you can have other people that do do those things very well. 
well, maybe you guys then have agreements that you can actually work together on. So that way you can pass off people who need what they have that help make your work even more efficient. And then same, uh, you know, for, um, uh, for your work, like things that you do for them, the things that you do for them, uh, they can actually complement their business, right? So it's just really, really, um, it's just a good time to embrace the idea that two businesses, three businesses, five businesses can all actually complement each other, right? Um, so um, something to think about, strategic, strategic partners, and you don't actually have to have them in the same location. That's the whole point. I think in the past, well, actually, I don't know, strategic partners has always been kind of a part of business, but I think you're just living in a very unique time where it can be anywhere in the world and there's a constant state of movement. Again, what's the creative class? What are the trends we're seeing? Constant state of movement. So I want to, I don't want to just say how awesome the creative class is and what, what trends we expect to see. I thought it would also be good to talk about, okay, like what are some things that we could be doing? Some things that we could be reading, some things that we can kind of start to have conversations around internally with ourselves and with others, even as I'm going through a lot of them myself. So um, or different phases of it, because I can tell you right now, first of all, if you haven't started down some point of your journey in creating something for yourself or optimizing your world in some way, and I don't mean from a business, I just mean in your world, start now because there's never been more of a time uh, where it's needed and be because um, you're going to have to do it sooner or later. And if not in this lifetime, in another lifetime, you can't escape it. It's part of your growth. So um, what I said where to begin is I definitely think the creative class needs to define their ideal day and flow. And I've worked on this in a multitude of different ways and I'm still consistently auditing it and going to continue to do so in multiple exercises. But the idea is um, years back, I created a vision for myself. The very first time I did this was I created a vision for myself. I had to really think about like the day itself. And I, you know, stress this in the past about auditing your time. So you can exactly see what it is you're doing with your time throughout the day. Where's the energy going? How is it being spent? Um, do you like how it's being spent? Can you alter how it's being spent? Where can you alter how it's being spent? Um, and then how is that in relation to how you feel like you'd like to be living your life? So I've done several iterations of this, but I'm definitely going uh, further into optimization of it because I've also noticed that in your own growth, as you get further along, so too do new variables come into play. And when you have new variables that come into play, you have to account for them. And sometimes you can even account for them before they get here. That's the beauty of creativity. So um, I definitely think audit, uh, defining your ideal day and flow is the first place to start. I also put in here uh, adopting minimalism as a strategy. And um, that is everything. <laughs> so we were previously trained to do a million different things in multitask. Gary Keller talks about it. And the one thing that multitasking is not actually helping you. So it's something to think about getting rid of. Um, I have had periods of extreme multitasking, even when we think we're being efficient, and I was, it's nowhere near being dialed in, focused and present. So like, you know, and it happens. And as I've noticed at every level of growth myself, um, because minimalism is a huge idea, for, uh, idea ideology for me. Um, every time I, I um, minimize 
the tasks and the um the out well, I don't want to say the output because I max I'm, my goal is to always maximize the output but minimize um the focus so I can get really narrowly focused it's great but then when you grow there's a new set of variables that can come into play so I I've also and continue to learn grace with that um, and an auditing of your tasks is a very great place to begin with that. So what can and should be done by you? What can and should be done by others? That's how you can get further into minimalism. And so um, what I would say to that is, how do you narrow your focus and maximize your output and efficiency for the things you want to achieve? And if you know what you do really well, can you take some initial upfront time to refine it to a core process so you can create repetition so you're not having to start over every single time that one is huge i'll tell you that right there um i was listening quite some time ago um, on agency building now it was for a digital agency and the author was talking about something very true so that um when you niche down and form processes within your business and you um you have a very set defined set of tasks and things that you're implementing for the end consumer. You stick to those and you replicate them over and over and over again. When you take custom work and you go off your path to please that particular client, you're actually spending more time. Even they could even pay you double what you normally make. You're spending more time and energy and in a lot of cases, your own money at that point to make something happen that's not being replicated over and over and over again. So you actually wanna take time up front to look at like, what is it that you wanna be known for and do the most and refine it to a point where this is all we do and this is what we keep replicating over and over and over again. P.S. This is why you like all these startups and these apps and these phones and these everything because they've, they've done this already. They made things very simple for you and they had to think through it the same way. This is not a new concept, but it definitely is something to think about. What would you do so you don't have to start over every single time? Solve for that and you'll be golden, okay? Another thing I think you should look into is learning how money works. The energy of it, um, the budgeting of it, the cash flow, the investing. Um, the more I've taken an active role over that over the last two, three years, has been a game changer, but you realize it's also a lifelong journey. Um, and like anything, whether it's riding a bicycle <laughs> or you're crafting your music or your fashion or your business or whatever, your service, your product, it's all the same. It all takes the same amount of being present in time, practice and iteration. Um, and we've never had more access to information for having that work than now. So I, I put that on the list because you will feel a lot more in control when you have a better understanding of how things are working for you financially. Even if you're at the very, 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 very beginning, it doesn't matter. You at least have an understanding of what is going on and don't make it complicated. Don't make it like you see on TV. Don't make it like these massive tables talking to you with all these different things. Like look at the things that, you know, start with the things that matter most that are kind of governing your world and then you can build out from there. Um, and then the thing that I wanted to bring up about looking further into systems and processes, because I brought that up as a trend, they don't sound sexy until you realize again, 
um, that the brands you idolize are the ones that do this best. So I say start off with reverse engineering. You look at the vision that you have in mind. Um, then what you do is map out the creative outlets and complementary steps, including what needs to deliver on the tasks at the least amount of friction and resistance to you. So map out the creative outlets that you use. What are the complementary steps in each? Who or what needs to deliver on the tasks at the least amount of friction and resistance to you? And this will change as the financial means changes. So start with where you're at and look at um, all the outlets and software and all these things that you can use. So just, just look at what you do. Like even if you were to look at an Instagram post, where are you making it? How do you send it? You know, how do you get it ready to go up on, you know, Instagram, whatever it might be? When do you set up the time to do it? Um, do you have templates that are already created? Do you do it from scratch each time? What do I just say about repetition? I have templates every single time. So, um, and then there's always ways you can keep optimizing it, but you want to look at any creative thing that you do or within your business, just simply look at what are the activities that are going on and what all does it take to, um, to get it done and how does it all play to a, the bigger vision? So then you can actually break down how each of those things are happening and how you can better align it for your time. And then now you're looking at scale, right? And, um, much more efficiency. And then, um, I said, decide on what or whom can handle some of those steps. So if you're lean in the beginning, it's most likely a piece of software, right? So, um, which is great because this goes all the way back to what I said, we're going to be some of the trends, which is leaner businesses. If you know that you can accomplish what you can accomplish when you push a button, let's say a client signs something and then boom, they're sent an email that says, Hey, thank you so much. Um, now we just need you to do this. They sign it. The moment they hit submit, boom, they now like enter a bunch of things into your intake questionnaire. They hit submit, boom, <laughs> your calendar then pulls up and says, great. Can you please schedule your first appointment with us? We're looking forward to, you know, catching up and, and connecting and, and having a project kick off. You've done nothing. <laughs> You've literally in like one second, you know, uh, in one process, I've had the client do all of it, right? So it's just things like that using software to to set up the process for how people interact with you. And guess what? You didn't lose your personalization. If anything, you added efficiency to your life and theirs. They're going to want to work with you even more. That's pretty much what's happening when you do that. So that's what I mean about looking to systems and processes. It doesn't have to be like, put it this way. This is the best way I can actually make it sexier to you. And I've dealt with a lot of like health and wellness coaches and things like that, and or just health and wellness brands, I should say. And what's the, and any brand can relate to this. You get a client, you email them, you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You have to schedule them for their first appointment. You go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You need their before and after pictures. You go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Now you need to have them submitted to your Dropbox. You go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You need to invoice them. You go back and forth, back and forth. Like that constant admin work. If you think that's sexier than having a system and a process, I don't know how to help you. <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm, by the way, I checked myself on that starting several years ago. That is not fun. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So um, just be thinking about how do you make what you already do simpler? So that way it's more efficient to you and to the other person you're interacting with. That is personal. You don't lose the human touch. That's actually a very personal thing that you can do. So I highly recommend looking at that. So to recap about, you know, where you're at, wherever you're at in the journey, 
um, the action items, I just said that I definitely think the creative class needs to define us, needs to define their ideal day and flow, adopting minimalism as a strategy, auditing of your tasks, um, le uh, learning how money works, systems and processes are, are, are actually quite sexy. And then um, I did want to put in there that personal growth and development and spirituality are, I think, at the crux of everything that we do. So I can do another episode on this because, you know, I've done it a lot anyways in the past. But this idea of um, just aligning your practices that develop your clarity, direction, openness and communication. It's really what we're here to do. And business is great and building brands is great and creativity is great and our creative genius is great. But it's all actually fueling our higher purpose. So that's where you actually have to start in a lot of ways. And, you know, I'll, we talk about this in a lot of other episodes. We're going to leave it alone for right now. But I just say that, you know, you constantly have to ground yourself in spiritual practices that really help align your clarity, direction, openness, and communication. You cannot go wrong with those things. And just some real quick books that I highly recommend that I wanted to put back out there. And you guys have heard me say some of these, but The Almanac of Naval Ravikant, A Guide to Wealth and Happiness, um, which is actually written by Eric Jorgensen. He comprised, um, composed all of Naval's uh, beautiful wisdom into one book. The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. Lean Startup will actually really help you not worry about perfection and will help you launch um, versus just constantly sitting on when this gets ready, when this gets ready. This will take you right out of that. You make something, you put it out there, you tweak it, you reiterate it, you recreate it, you put it out there, you tweak it, you put it out there, you tweak it. Lo and behold, you have a business. Um, and I'm in the middle of that myself right now. And, and it's funny because when you look at it very closely, you go, oh my God, like, when will this change? And then all of a sudden you get into a flow again and you're like, this is amazing. And then you grow and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> so it's like, it's a never ending uh, story. Um, How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big by Scott Adams. Get that book. The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. The Dichotomy of Leadership and Extreme Ownership. Two different books by Jocko Wilnick. And 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. These are all really around creativity and business on purpose because it's really what they're doing is they're dialing in your discipline, they're dialing in your focus, um, they're dialing in the psychology and behaviors both with yourself and with other people, and also opening you up to like possibilities without like all the fluff that's usually out there. Like these books, like actually very definitive. Do this. Here's how you can think about it like this. Let's simplify everything, right? Um, and so I just wanted to share all that with you guys. This ended up being a little bit longer of an episode than I had actually anticipated, but I really appreciate all of you guys. And I just want to say thank you so much um, for tuning in. You guys are an incredible audience. As always, you guys can reach out and ask any questions. You can DM me at Matt Gottesman. Please feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple. It really does help uh, expand the reach. Appreciate each and every one of you guys and your consistent dedication and consistent showing up of the uh, podcast. I could not actually exist without you guys. Uh, well, actually, that's not true. I could exist, um, but <laughs> it's a lot more fun when a lot of people are playing with you. So uh, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, we're out. <laughs>